Praise the Lord and welcome to our Wednesday night revival. We're so glad that you have joined us and I'm excited to introduce to you a tremendous speaker that's going to bless you. Brother Mark Morgan that pastors in the San Francisco area of California. You're going to really enjoy his powerful prophetic ministry. So I want to just ask you to just get your family together and get ready for a great lesson tonight as we look into the Word of God and continue to look to the Lord to be our strength and our help during this coronavirus outbreak. May this message be a great blessing to you and your home in Jesus' name. Well, it's good to greet you tonight in the name of Jesus. I want to say that it's an honor to be with the Eastwood Pentecostal Church of Palm Bay, Florida, live from our studio here in Daly City, California. Amen. And uh, what a great opportunity to preach the Word of God. And of course, you know, this is a... we're all kind of getting out of our comfort zones and moving into some new areas and uh, new ways of sharing the gospel, spreading the gospel that we're uh, reaching for. So anyway, but it's a delight to be here. I give honor to Pastor David Myers. Good to be in service with you all and in this uh, meeting. So uh, our uh, live stream revival. Amen. I've often said that if the Apostle Paul was alive that he would uh, be all over the internet and involved any way he could to spread the gospel and get the good news out. So we're excited about this, and I trust that you've already been having some great services. And uh, again, we're delighted to participate in this, and we're believing God uh, to speak to us tonight and to speak through us. So God bless you in the name of the Lord. Amen. I want to take a scripture text from 1 Samuel chapter 9. I spoke on this subject at our uh, here in San Francisco uh, this past Sunday, and I want to take the text and use uh, part of the story for a foundation tonight, and then uh, I think the Holy Ghost wants us to go uh, in a little different direction in the closing of it, so we want to do that, amen. Uh, and while you're turning to 1 Samuel 9, verse number 3, if you've got your Bibles there close to you, I'm sure you do, especially if you're in your living room or homes or wherever, so... But uh, 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 3, uh, And the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul, his son, Take now one of the servants with thee, and arise and go seek the asses. And he passed through Mount Ephraim, and he passed through the land of Shalisha, but they found them not. Then they passed through the land of Shalim, and there they were not. And he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they found them not. And when they were come to the land of Zeph, Saul said to his servant that was with him, Come, and let us return, lest my father uh, leave caring for the asses and take thought for us. And he said unto him, Behold, now there is in the city a man of God, and he is an honorable man, and all that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither, peradventure he can shew us to our uh, way that we should go. And then said Saul to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is spent in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring to the man of God. So what have we? Uh, The servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here at hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver that will I give to the man of God to tell us our way. Uh, Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come and let us go to the seer, for that is now called a prophet, which before times called seer. 
Then said Saul to his servant, Well said, come, let us go. So they went into the city where the man of God was. Amen. I want to use this as a text tonight, and we'll kind of go through the story here just a little bit. And we believe the Lord is going to speak to us. Amen. God, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to minister to this wonderful congregation and to those in the city and the community there in Palm Bay. We're asking, Lord, that your word would go forth uh, with clarity, that the anointing of the Holy Ghost would be felt, and that there would be a place for the word to lodge in our hearts. We ask for your help tonight, God. We know that you will. We ask that you confirm your word with signs following. We speak these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, I want to kind of dive into the story here just a little bit and kind of put it in a maybe a little different uh, vernacular or a little bit more in modern times. Amen. Uh, I was born in uh, southeast Missouri. Of course, if you know anything about southeast Missouri and around the Kennett area, uh, a lot of farming there. So uh, farming is not something that we're strangers to. Uh, my father worked on a farm for a while. And so uh, <clears throat> the reason why I'm uh, mentioning these things is because uh, historians tell us that uh, Saul's father, Kish, was a very successful farmer. Matter of fact, the reason why that uh, it was important for them to find these donkeys is the fact is it would be the equivalent of somebody nowadays losing uh, a farmer that would be losing tractors or some kind of a machinery or something that was very instrumental in them being able to successfully farm. Uh, again, Saul's father, Kish, was stated by commentaries that he was a very successful farmer. And so now, you know, we wake up one day and some of their uh, farm equipment's gone. And he, so he tells his son, Saul, he said, I want you to go and I want you to take a servant with you. And I want you to search throughout the land see if you cannot find these missing donkeys. And so uh, Saul begins to leave and it tells us he passed through Ephraim, Shalisha, the land of Shalim. And there the Bible says they couldn't find them. They went through the land of the Benjamites, couldn't find them there. And so Saul is becoming a little concerned that his father might think that something's happened to them. They've been gone apparently quite a while. And so uh, he encouraged, well, maybe we could return. It's there that they begin to talk about uh, in the city, the community there. There was a man, and of course he's in reference to Samuel. Uh, Samuel's here. He's, uh, as they said later, he's uh, they used to call them seers, but now they call them prophets. And why don't we go inquire? Uh, let's uh, let's take an offering and and let's go inquire of the man of God to see if he can maybe peradventure tell us what's going on or the way that we should go. And uh, so they they come into the man of God and they uh, uh, begin to well they wanted to start talking to them about what was happening, but what they didn't know is is that God had already been speaking to Samuel in regard to the situation. Now, Israel had come to Samuel and had requested that they would that he would give them a king, that he would inquire of the Lord and that God would give them a king. They wanted to be like other nations. Of course, it's there that uh, Samuel warned them about some of the things that uh, they would be subjecting themselves to if they went ahead to this ideal of a kingdom and a king. And uh, But God decided to go ahead and give them the desires of their heart. And now God has spoken to Samuel, the prophet, and told him, he said, by this time tomorrow, there'll be someone that comes into the city. I'll show you who he is. 
he will be captain over my inheritance. I'm going to make him the king. And so, of course, Saul had absolutely no idea what was taking place. And so now uh, it really, the story's really getting interesting. So Saul comes into the city. Samuel recognizes him. He comes to him. And there's an exchange, greetings and stuff. And then, of course, Samuel invites him. It's kind of turning a little bit. But Samuel invites him to come up to a high place there in the community. And about 30 people that was there. And uh, it was a place of honor. And Samuel begins to speak to Saul about what God had declared to him. Uh, You are going to be captain over God's inheritance. God has chosen you to do this thing, to give you this responsibility. Of course, when, when Saul hears this, he, 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 he doesn't want it. He, he, he says, I, I'm, I'm not interested in this. I just would like to know if you know the way that these donkeys have gone. I'm trying to get home. My father's probably concerned about me and uh, that's all I'm interested in. Just let me kind of go, uh, let me go back. Amen. I, I, uh, I, I will stop here and I'm going to tell you my title. Uh, normally if I use this text, uh, I talk about when God messes with your stuff, when God messes with your stuff. Amen. And so he, uh, he, he's talking to him and he, I, I just want to go back to the farm. Let me, let me go back. Everything will be fine. And then the prophet really begins to talk to him. And of course, if you follow down through the story, uh, they come to the gate and he sends the servant out. He said, I want you to go on. And uh, he takes the anointing all out and he begins to anoint Saul as the king of Israel. And then, of course, he begins to let him know, now, uh, you need to go on home. And on your way home, you'll meet some people carrying certain things. And uh, they will have word that uh, the donkeys have already returned, but they need to go tell your dad that everything's fine. We, they've seen you and they know where you're at. And then you're going to come to a hill. It's the hill of God. Now, when you get there, at the base of it, there'll be an encampment. There'll be a garrison of Philistines. And then from there, uh, you'll meet some people. They're coming down from the hill of God. They're coming down to worship. You are going to join with them. You're going to join with them in worship. And uh, when it happens, you will not only join with them in worship, but you also, you're going to be a part of the prophesying. God's going to speak through you, and you're going to prophesy with them. And then when you leave, you'll be a completely different man. Matter of fact, uh, chapter 10 and verse number six, and the spirit of the Lord will come upon thee and thou shalt prophesy with them and shall be turned into another man. Something is going to happen to you when you come to this hill of God and something's going to happen when you get in this atmosphere of worship and the prophetic. So again, Saul's just like, listen, I'm not interested in all this. Thank you. But uh, I just really would kind of like to go back. Just, I I just want to go home. I want to go back to my routine. I want to go back to what's normal. I just want to go back to farming. I'm a successful farmer. I know how to farm. My father has taught me how to farm and that's, that's what I want to go back to. So just, you know, don't, don't, don't put all this on me. I don't want this responsibility. I don't want to do these things. Uh, just let me go back to farming and I'll be happy. No, it's not, that's not how it's going to go down. Now, if you, if you keep following the story, of course, uh, exactly as the man of God had said, uh, Saul joins with them. There's prophesying. It even started a proverb is Saul also among the prophets. And even by the time he got home, his family had heard what had happened. And then of course, later at his coronation, when they called all of Israel together, 
to coronate him as king. Uh, the Bible says he's still reluctant. He doesn't, he doesn't want to do this. He's, 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 he's out of his comfort zone. Uh, just the Bible said that he was hit among the stuff and uh, they had to call for him and bring him out. Uh, I, 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 I told you the title of this is, uh, when God messes with your stuff. Amen. Now here's the deal. Uh, he's successful, a farmer, uh, didn't, didn't wake up one day and just decide, I think the Lord wants me to be king and I'm going to start my journey for this. But, uh, actually, uh, God, I don't think that those donkeys left the farm by accident. Uh, I've always kind of used a little, uh, imagination in this, you know, okay. God says to an angel, I want you to go down and guide these, guide these donkeys around a little bit until I tell you to return them home. I got a little job I need to do. I've got a boy over here that's content to stay on the farm and content to stay with his routine and what he knows and what he's comfortable with. But I need him to come to the kingdom. It's time for him now to come to the kingdom. And so that's why I said God knows how to mess with your stuff. I mean, why in the world did this story happen? Why does all this take place? I do know that God could have went down to the house of Kish and could have spoke to him like he did through Samuel later to the house of Jesse and the anointing of the king. But for this reason, for this time, God chose this particular way of doing this. Amen. Well, you know, all of a sudden, Saul's life is an upheaval. All of a sudden, everything is just kind of chaotic and doesn't make sense. And, and he's diligent about trying to find. All he wants to do is just find what he knew and what he was comfortable with and what he found security in and return back with that. That's all that he was interested in. But God said, no, I'm going to mess with your stuff because I need to get you positioned for something that I'm going to call you to do. And this is how that it's going to happen. Amen. I wish, and I kind of like, you know, other situations and especially even my life, I can kind of relate to Saul sometimes, you know, if God could just whisper, speak to us, this is what I want you to do. But the sad fact is, is that uh, Saul is not the only one that gets comfortable and gets in particular routine and gets uh, to where he has a sense of security in this. They've proven it over and over and over. Uh, he knows it, uh, as we would say, he knows it like the back of his hand. He knows the next step. He knows how to farm. He knows how to be successful at this. And then all of a sudden, God goes to messing with this because God has a plan. Well, I think a lot of times the same thing kind of happens with us as individuals. It happens with us as families and churches and organizations. It happens with us as nations. With I mean, there's just a lot of application to this. The deal is, is God knows how to mess with our stuff. That's the fact. Now, some people, uh, they would probably disagree with this. And say, I just don't think God works that way. Well, uh, this story lets you know that he does. And there's a lot of other stories in the scripture that he does. Amen. The deal is God knows how to jolt everything, how to take the things that we have a sense of security in. Uh, we're living in one of those times right now as a nation and as the globe. We're living in a time where all of a sudden, especially here in America, 
the great economy, our wealth, our security, uh, as far as we know, the greatest nation under the sun. Amen. And then yet at the same time, all of a sudden, God is just kind of like, and I do believe this, it's like all of a sudden it's all being messed with. And everything is kind of topsy-turvy and chaotic and uh, great fear is trying to engulf us and darkness and all. And, uh, you know, you can look at it one or two ways. I personally believe my personal view of this is, is that God is messing with our stuff, that uh, God's stirring this up because, uh, you know, we all get in little ruts and routines and we get comfortable as individuals. We do this. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh life happens and situations happens and, uh, certain things begin to transpire, uh, you know, a sickness or employment or the economy or health. There's a lot of things that happens that God uses sometimes in order not to hurt us, not, not, not to harm us, but God uses it because I've got to get you from where you're comfortable. I've got to get you to where you find tremendous security and I've got to get you over here to the kingdom and get you to understand I have responsibilities for you as the kingdom work. Now, I, I want to especially address the church right now, the North American church and the church there in Palm Springs. I want you to understand uh, all of our churches, we kind of get into certain areas that we find successful and it's worked. And we uh, we just kind of get locked into that. And then all of a sudden... Uh, Things go crazy, and God starts messing with our stuff. Uh, I don't think he's doing it to destroy the church. I think he's doing it to bring us to something else. I've told our church, I've told people that uh, I, I have conversation with, I said, I don't think that God intends for us to go back to an old norm after this and the crisis that we're in. I don't see that happening. I think God is using this as a means to kind of awaken the North American church and awaken the Christians and to let us know, you know what, uh, you kind of got comfortable. It, we all battle the spirit of Laodicea. We're rich, we're increased with goods, and we're in need of nothing. Now, God didn't see them that way, but that's how they seen themselves. And sometimes that spirit gets a hold of us. We're doing well. God's blessing. We're prospering. There's a lot of good stuff that's happening. And then, then all of a sudden, something like this coronavirus hits, and the economy and churches and all, and the nation and families, all of a sudden, uh, something's messing with our stuff. And, of course, with Americans, if you really want to get their attention, start touching their pocketbooks and touching their finances, and you definitely will get their attention. I don't think God's trying to use this to destroy us. I think God's trying to use this to get us back uh, from the farm to the kingdom, from where we're secure, where everything we're comfortable in, to where God says, look, I've got a responsibility for you here. I need you to come over here. I've got something for you to do. And so I think this is a lot of things that are taking place. Again, I don't see it going back. Now, the donkeys went home and Saul's father went on his way, continued to farm. But that luxury was not given to Saul. Now there's something else that has happened. Uh, I do believe that there'll be certain things that will go back and they'll fall back into place. I really do. 
But at the same time, I think there is a, a call to awaken the North American church. Uh, several years ago, I, I've preached a message all across our fellowship and the apostolic rank file about uh, graveyard soldiers. And I talk in that message about how that God showed me a vision of the North American church. And at the time, uh, it was like it was dazed or asleep or uh, just not aware of things. And then the Lord, I, what you know, what do I tell them? What do we say? Uh, in that day, you will tell them that the day of the battle is here, but my name is greater and my blood is more powerful. And of course, later I felt like the Lord gave me the third ingredient. My word is above it all. I think sometimes that we can kind of get in comfort and spiritually asleep. But the fact is, is that the scripture tells us there's a time to awaken and to redeem the time. Uh, at the close of last year in the fall, we were praying about this year and the, the word that we felt for 2020. And I told our staff and them, I said, look, I really feel very strong about redeem, redeeming the time, meaning to make good use of the time. You know, as long as we're comfortable over here and we keep thinking that everything's going to keep going as normal and it's just going to keep taking place. But yet at the same time, God's trying to tell us, no, I need you to awaken. There's only a window of time left for certain purposes to be fulfilled. So I need you to awaken to this. And I think that a lot of things that are happening is kind of like a wake up call to the church. I need you to get the gospel to the Gentiles. I need you to get the gospel to the world. I need, I need this to go. I need the kingdom. I need it to advance. I need the people of God to come from the farm where there's security to this responsibility of kingdom work and their responsibility to the kingdom. So I think a lot of this has taken place and a lot of this shaking is an awakening, a spiritual awakening to the church. Amen. I think it's a good time for us to get a hold of God. Now, the deal is, is when Saul leaves there, he comes to this particular place. The prophet had told him, you're going to come, you'll meet these people, you'll exchange messages, but then you'll come to the hill of God. When you get there, at the base of it will be a garrison of Philistines. Several years ago, an old prophetess that I knew, uh, she asked me a question one time, what did I really believe that the Philistines represented? And uh, I, I, well, I really don't know, I'm not sure. She said, well, there was never a permanent victory against the Philistines. She said, to me, the Philistines just kind of represents our flesh. Our carnality, it's never a permanent victory against it. It's always a battle. And so when she comes, I use that as an analogy. When, when that takes place, when he comes to this hill of God, there are these, there's this garrison of the Philistines there. And they're protecting, guarding. I'm not quite sure. I think the enemy knew that something's very significant about this hill because people are ascending and descending upon it and they're going in worship and they're worshiping their God. And there is also a strong prophetic anointing here. I believe that at the base of every hill of God like that, that there is strong resistance from the flesh. Our minds don't understand it. Even right now, I think that our flesh is struggling with a lot of these things. We don't understand what's taking place. And so fear begins to grip us. Unbelief begins to grip us. But the key to Saul was, I don't want you to stop at the Philistines and the garrison. I want you to go beyond it. I want you to come to the hill of God. I want you to participate. You're going to find people coming down the mountain. You're going to find them with instruments of music. They're praising 
and they're worshiping God. And when you get there, something is going to happen. The spirit of prophecy is going to come upon you. You're going to prophesy and God's going to change your spirit. Amen. I think that's a good message for all of us. If we stay where our flesh is in control, then in the flesh fights the way of the spirit. Uh, my natural man doesn't understand the things of God. Paul was very clear with the Corinthians. It can't perceive the natural man understands the thing of, of the natural, but it does not understand the things of the spirit. But yet when he began to worship and he began to ascend, then the prophetic began to operate. I think it's time for the people of God uh, to quit worrying about what all the news is saying and be uh, inundated with a lot of fear. But I think it's time for us to begin to worship God. And as we worship him with exuberant worship, as we worship him, I think it's important at that point in time for us to allow the prophetic, you know, here in the state of California, uh, you know, we're in this, uh, what do they call a shelter in place? Amen. It's supposed to be standing home. A lot of our people are in their homes. And I, I probably think that may be the way with you there in Florida. I'm not sure. But the deal is, is if you're in a living room and all, uh, you know what? First of all, turn off the news, quit listening to the news all the time. It's just a lot of bad news, bad news, bad news. And I'm for being knowledgeable of what's taking place. But there comes a point in a time where, okay, I've heard all of that I need. The Philistines and the naturalists telling me all this stuff. But I need to begin to worship God. I need to begin to entertain the presence of God. I need to move into the spirit of prayer and begin to pray and seek God through prayer and worship. I believe that in your living room, I believe that in your home, your car, wherever it's at, if you will entertain that, I really believe that the prophetic will come where God will speak to you. God will speak to your family. God will speak to the church. We, we need to move away from the base of the mountain and away from the Philistines and the fear and the intimidation of these things. And we need to move into that realm to where we start operating by faith. We're operating by the prophetic. The Holy Ghost is speaking a clear word to us. The wisdom of God is being made manifest to us. I really strongly believe that that's important for us, especially in the hour that we live. This is where God's trying to bring us. I don't see the churches uh, that come to this place. I don't see them remaining the same. I see them like Saul. Something's going to change in their spirit. Something's going to happen in their spirit. They're not going to be the same. We're not going back to church as I, I want to say normal, uh, as usual or normal. Something is changing in the spirit. I think the Holy Ghost is challenging us. I think a lot of this is a wake-up call. I need you to come to the hill of God. I need you to entertain my presence. I need you to allow the prophetic to operate in your life. I need to be able to speak to you and give you the things that you need and a word. I, this is where I see us and I see the church right now and the necessity of these things amen i really do now the deal is uh we we, we god's messing with our stuff but he's not just messing with the church uh, there's a lot of our families and people in our neighborhoods and all now remember remember god said uh i gotta get you from the farm i gotta get you from the family business and i gotta get you over here to the kingdom I have responsibility for you for the kingdom. I was talking to a man this past week, one of our neighbors, and I was telling him, you know, here's the deal. Uh, God knows how to message your stuff, and God knows what to do in order to get you to understand that he has a purpose for your life. 
that he has a purpose for you in the kingdom. And so sometimes it's not easy because, uh, you know, let's just face reality. There's just a lot of resistance to this and resistance to the gospel or God's plan for people's lives. And a lot of people, they just want to kind of push it aside until God goes to mess them with our stuff. And then all of a sudden we begin to realize, you know what, I got I got I'm just trying to go find this, trying to get back to normal, but we're not finding what we're pursuing. We're we're looking for it. We're trying to get back to this and God says, "You know what? Uh that's not what this is about. I'm trying to bring you to understand that uh, you need the kingdom." Jesus said these words. He said, "Seek ye first the kingdom." Now, he was talking about provision. He was talking about him taking care of his people. But he said, seek you first the kingdom and its righteousness. And I'll give you all these other things. I'll add all these other things. The sad fact is, is a lot of times we don't seek the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God never enters our mind. The things of God. We just live life. We just go about life busy. You know, we're taking the kids here. We're going over here. I got to go to work. I got to do this. And then all of a sudden, God goes to messing with all of our stuff. And there's this little jolt and this little wake-up call in the spirit. And God's intent is, I'm trying to get your attention for you to come to the kingdom. I need you to seek me first now. I need you to put me first now. Don't worry about the farm. Don't worry about the business. I need you to seek me first now. Now, that was not the only thing that Jesus talked about the kingdom. One of the other things, of course, Jesus was very clear, and the scripture was very clear about, is that the Bible says they went everywhere preaching the gospel, and a lot of times that's where we stop. But in a lot of verses, it doesn't stop by just preaching the gospel. It says, and they preach the gospel and the kingdom. The gospel and the kingdom. Now, the gospel, of course, has been translated as good news. And I can promise you that the world needs some good news right now. The residents of Palm Bay and your county and your state and the nation and the globe, we could use some good news right now. Well, it's the gospel. It's the good news and the kingdom. And so it's important for us to kind of get a little grasp of the kingdom. Jesus went on to say that the gospel is preached. The gospel is preached. The kingdom is preached. And men press into it. Uh, I've always said that uh, we all, uh, you know, we all have our own little kingdom. It's my kingdom. It's my life. And I'm the king of it. And then all of a sudden there is a, what I call a divine intersection with your kingdom and God's kingdom. This is usually where God goes to messing with your life. He goes to messing with your stuff and it's easily to misinterpret and it's easy to get bitter and not understand what God's really trying to do. But it's at that point that this intersection of God's kingdom and your kingdom, that a decision has to be made. I can either try to stay king of my kingdom, just go back to the things and go back to my kingdom and try to put it all back in order, but, or I can accept and make Jesus Christ Lord and understand that it's important for me to be a part of his 
kingdom. Now, don't misunderstand the kingdom. Jesus was very clear about the kingdom. Jesus said these words to a man by the name of Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus, Jesus was messing with the whole religious system of the Jews. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. He was a very prestigious man among the religious community of the Jews. And then when Jesus shows up, he starts messing with all of that. He starts kind of, to them, he's bringing turmoil and confusion. But Nicodemus recognized something in this. And so by night he goes to Jesus in secrecy and he said, listen, uh, I know that the things that you do, you have to be from God. And so I want to talk to you about this. And Jesus went into this. Jesus said, Nicodemus, except a man is born of the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom. Now that intrigues Nicodemus. Uh, he's thinking natural birth, but Jesus is talking about spiritual things. And so he says, uh, that that's kind of impossible. I've already, I'm, I'm, I'm an old man. I, you know, I've already had the birth. But the fact is, Jesus said, no, Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Don't marvel. I'm not talking to you about fleshly things. And some people would even try to interpret those scriptures to mean fleshly things. But Jesus is very clear. I'm not talking to you about fleshly things. I'm talking to you about spiritual things. Nicodemus, your whole world has been turned upside down. There's a lot of turmoil in your world. And so I want to, I want you to find the kingdom. Nicodemus, except a man is born. Now watch what he does now. Except a man is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. I don't want to just uh, get uncomfortable and this divine agitation and then not get to the kingdom and get into the kingdom and do and become everything that God wants me to do or to become. The fact is, Jesus said in Nicodemus, the way that this happens is there is a new birth. The new birth is, except a man is born again of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. Nicodemus, the only way to really get into the kingdom is by the new birth. Now, Jesus comes on down through there. And of course, this conversation has got Nicodemus so intrigued. And Jesus said, now, Nicodemus, now listen, uh, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. And so is everyone. I want you to understand, Nicodemus, the wind's going to blow where it wants to blow. You, you can't see it. But uh, listen, just listen, Nicodemus. There's a sound that you will hear. And when that you hear that sound, I want you to understand that sound and what's happening. It's the way with everything and everyone that is born of the kingdom. Amen. Now, I, I understand there's just a lot of confusion sometimes over exactly what Jesus meant. But he's very clear, very clear in what he says. Paul tells the Corinthian church, he tells them, he said, 1 Corinthians 10, I don't want you ignorant concerning your fathers. Were they not all baptized in the cloud and baptized in the sea? The cloud is a type of Holy Ghost baptism. The Red Sea is a type of water baptism. The scripture teaches us that very clearly. So when Jesus said, when I go to disrupting your life and I go to disrupting even your, your economy or your religious concepts, and I go to this messing with all this, I want you to understand it's only to bring you to revelation of the kingdom and only to bring you to the kingdom and the work of the kingdom. So I tell somebody today, the key to all of this and everything that's going on is to seek the kingdom first. And when the gospel of the kingdom is preached to you, now you've got to decide, I want to press into that. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of God's great kingdom. How you're asking, how do I become that? What, 
What's the steps to that? Well, I could tell you what a, a denomination says. I could tell you what some religion says. But I will tell you what Jesus said. Nicodemus, except the man is born again of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. I'm telling you the same thing that Jesus said, that you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need to be baptized in water. I personally believe it's by immersion in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. I believe that's where a person is born. You can't join the kingdom. You have to be born into the kingdom. It's the kingdom of his sons. We become the children of God. This is what I believe that God's doing. You know, sometimes, well, why would God do this to us? Well, honestly, I would rather for this to happen, for God to try to awaken me to where I would seek for him because I believe that all these things that are happening is God's love being expressed to us. I'm trying to awaken you. I'm trying to get you ready to be born again. I need you to come to the kingdom. So whether it's the church and the people of God coming to a greater understanding of the kingdom work, or if you're a person or somebody sitting in your car or living room and you're not familiar with all this, all the stuff that's going on in your life right now has a goal. It has an objective. And that is not to destroy you. And that's not to see you lost, but it's to see you find the kingdom and to be born again of the water and of the spirit. You know, the, on, on the day of Pentecost, the people of God, you know, they were there and they were seeing and experiencing some were already experiencing their own baptism of the Holy Ghost. And of course, the question was divinely asked. And they said, you look, we understand through the message of Simon Peter that we've crucified him. We've crucified the king of glory. We've crucified, as, as Peter said, we've crucified the Lord and Christ. So what must we do? Tell us what we've got to do. Uh, we, we, we've got a lot of stuff over here, a lot of chaos over here. But what's this about? So Peter then responds back to them. What do we do to be saved? What do we do to fix this? And the Bible says, Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. There is that birth of the water and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you and to your children and to those who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's you watching. That's you that have never experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost or baptism of water. That's the call. What he's saying is, I don't care whether it's today on the day of Pentecost or it's 2020 in Palm Bay, Florida, San Francisco, California, Zimbabwe, Ecuador, China. It doesn't matter. The promise is unto you and to your children. So whatever God's doing in your life right now, however God's messing with your stuff, uh, don't misunderstand what God's doing. He's trying to take you from here over to this farm deal and he's trying to bring you to his kingdom so you know what understand what he's doing all of us let's accept it let's spend some time with god let's seek the kingdom let's go into this as we should go into it again i believe that god is stirring the church he's stirring america it's a spiritual awakening and you want to awaken with it come to the kingdom 
That's what that was what was said to Esther. For who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this? God wants you saved. God wants you to be a part of what He's doing in the end time. So you know what? Whatever God's doing to stir you out of an old mindset or out of an old system or whatever, whatever He's doing, follow Him. Get to God's kingdom and become a part of that great kingdom. Amen. I want to pray, Father. I love you and I thank you for the opportunity to minister your word to these people. Thank you, God, for this great moment. Lord, I have delivered what I felt like is in my spirit. I've talked to the people of God and I've talked to those out. I've talked to them about your kingdom and the things that are taking place. I now pray that the word of God as a seed would find the right lodging in the hearts of men and women. I ask you right now, God, to confirm your word. For those that are not understanding why everything is so chaotic and tumultuous in their life right now, that they would recognize this is not you trying to punish, but this is you trying to awaken. This is you trying to lead them to the kingdom so that they would seek you and put you first. God, we know that as a country, we know as the world that we've put a lot of other things first, but you wanted your kingdom put first. And so, God, I think that's what you're trying to do. I repent today, God, for anything that I've done that has put my kingdom or another kingdom before you, God. I want to seek your kingdom. I want to participate in your kingdom. I want to be a part of your kingdom. And I pray for everyone that's watching this. I pray that the same prayer would be prayed in their lives and that they would come to the kingdom. I pray for every backslider that's walked away from the kingdom. I pray, oh God, that you would draw them and everything that's taken place would be assigned to them. I need to go back to my father's house. I need to return back to the kingdom because the kingdom is the safest place to be in this world. I want to remain in the kingdom because our king is a benevolent king. Our king is a gracious, kind king. His glory, there's no match for it. His splendor, there's none that even come that comes close to it. So I ask you today, Father, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of men and women and young people. I pray it right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I give you the glory and the honor, God. We know that you're messing with our world and you're messing with a lot of things, but help us to understand it and come to that moment of decision, God. I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God bless you. Thank you for allowing me to speak into your hearts. Amen.
Praise the Lord, everyone. I want to thank you for joining us here at East Wind Pentecostal Church. And we want you to know that if you'd like to be baptized in Jesus' name, we can do that for you today. We can do it here at the church. We have a baptismal here at the church. We'll even come to your home if you have a swimming pool. We can baptize you in your swimming pool. It's that important for us to help you to be baptized in Jesus' name. We also want you to know that if you'd like to learn more about the Word of God, more about the Bible, that we have experienced teachers that can come to your home, teach you a home Bible study. We can even do a video chat. Whatever works for you, we want you to know that we're here for you. Also, very important, if you need prayer, we have prayer teams that can come to your house, pray for you at your home, or you can even send in your prayer request here to the church. We just want you to know that we're here for you and that we want to do anything that we can to help you in these trying times with your walk with the Lord. You can visit us at www.eastwind.church and our phone number is 321-723-2030. God bless you.